the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. You might think God shows his love to you by miracles, giving you stuff. Well, as we'll see in Ephesians 2 today, it's much deeper than that. Truth for Today, coming up next. We all have ideas on what we think God's love should look like. In fact, it's anthropomorphic. We base those feelings and ideas on the kind of love that you and I express in our frail, mortal ideas and thinking. But as we'll see today, there is much more to God's love. It's shown in grace and mercy, and we're examining just exactly what grace and mercy is. Won't you join us? Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. Here's Pastor Phil Howard with today's broadcast of Truth For Today. We're looking at foundations for living, and we've been looking at the subject of God, which is vast, and now we look at something as vast. We've been looking at the love of God, and we looked at five aspects of that love. God's love among the Trinity for themselves. Two, God's love for creation. Three, God's love towards a lost world, John 3.16 love. Then we looked at God's love for his chosen, his chosen people, Israel, his chosen church, and uh, the particularity of that love. And then we looked uh, the last two weeks, the conditionality of God's love. God does things for those who love him that he doesn't do for anybody else. Today, I want us to look at God's love is the fountainhead, the fountainhead of his mercy and his grace. You need to get these words, uh, common words. You know, we sing uh, uh, Amazing Grace, and you can't sing Amazing Grace too much today. It's not on K-Love. You know, it's not hop. It's not hip. It's just right. Amazing Grace. Does grace amaze you? They say there's no word for grace like amazing. And we're going to look at that. Let me say two things, mercy and grace, what the difference is. When it says that God is merciful, it means he pities those suffering from any of the consequences of sin. And guess when sin came to the world, it was like... uh, An inkwell was poured into the fountain of the human family, and it was poisoned. And so everything, sin, uh, aging, death, all of these things are the outworking of the sentence of death that he told Adam would happen. But God, God, the same God says, I feel pity, I feel mercy, I feel compassion for those suffering from the effects of sin that came to the world. The leper that cries, Jesus said, I feel compassion. 
whether it's a blind Bartimaeus and have mercy on me, he feels mercy. And what that mercy means, I want to spare you. I want to relieve you from the consequences of sin and misery that you're suffering from. I choose to be merciful to those who have rebelled against me. That's mercy. To spare us what we deserve. And to feel our predicament. Then grace, on the other hand, I want to give you something. Mercy is I want to spare you something. Grace is I want to give you something that you can never earn or deserve. We used to use on grace, it's old, but it's still accurate. Grace is God's riches at Christ's expense. And that could help you remember that. So we want to look at what God's love produced in mercy and grace. And so in Ephesians, the first three verses describe what we are by nature. Just by nature. Every human being was born with this problem described in verses 1 through 3. Then we'll pick up what you become by the grace of God. Because God is gracious, loving, and merciful. We want to see the radical change he makes. Let's begin. If you can just remember the initial D, I've got four Ds. If that'll help you, what he says about us. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked. Now, what does that mean? When Adam sinned, God said, in the day you sin, you will die. Did Adam die? Why did he live to be over 900 years of age? Well, something died that day, but it wasn't his body. It began to die. But I think he lived 900. That's not doing too bad. How are you doing? How close are you to 100? <laughs> what died is the relationship with God. A barrier came immediately in the constitution of mankind. And immediately by nature, they begin to hide. They begin to feel shame. They begin to feel guilt. And they begin to blame each other. It's just born in You're going to die to me. You're going to blame Eve. Eve's going to blame the serpent. Uh, You're going to be running. You're going to be hiding. What has happened? The presence of spiritual death is you run from God. You hide from God. You blame why, whatever. Or you, you blame people who blame never get well, but they love to do it anyway. Blame, blame, blame. Death, separation. And he said, the thing that was the evidence of our death is we were full of trespasses and sins. Trespasses is a word to step alongside of, sometimes translated transgression. It means I was constantly stepping over the boundaries that God set. Stepping over the boundaries. Sin means literally to miss the mark. It was used of a marksman shooting an arrow and it fell short. I fall short of divine expectations. I don't do what God wants done. 
just naturally. It's evidence of the death in me. I want to trespass. I don't want to keep. And it's inherent in my nature. I'm born opposed to God. I might graduate from Harvard. I might be nice, nice. I may not grow up in a gang. And I may not have done anything that would shock anybody. But I at my heart am dead to loving God, dead to obeying God. Matter of fact, my favorite occupation in America, I'll make myself God. And so we are a humanistically driven culture. It's about us. He goes on that I was driven by the devil uh, apart from Christ. And I walked according to the course of this world. Following the prince of the power of the air. The spirit that is now energizing, that word work there is energe, energizing the sons of disobedience. Until you know Christ, you have another master and he's a slave driver. You are a slave to the devil. You are energized by him to do his will. You know, no one was born in this world a Christian. Are you aware of that? You weren't born a Christian. You were born a child by spiritual birth of Satan. That's scary, isn't it? You remember the Jews got in an argument with Jesus in John 8? And they began to say, we don't need you. Abraham's our father. We've got the right heritage. We've got the right religious connections. And Jesus said, if you were of Abraham, you would believe in me. But because you're of your father, the devil, John 8, 44, his will you will do. And he's a murderer from the beginning. And guess what? You're going to murder me. And they did. You are energized by Satan. You don't hear it in conservative churches much. But in churches I grew up in, we used to talk about demon-possessed people. Do you think people can be demon-possessed? They sure were in the time of Jesus. Demon-possessed. I mean, did you realize that when you read Mark 5 and the maniac of Gadara, that Jesus addresses the spokesman for the demons and he calls him legion? And the Roman legion started at 2,000 to 3,000 men. So imagine, I really can't get my hands around it, that a person having 2,000 spirit beings living in one body. Would that be possible? Ask Jesus. Read the narrative. Demons would cry out, thou art the Christ. There's never been an atheistic demon. In the temptation of Christ. You know what it says in the Greek? Since you are the Christ, turn these stones to bread. See, I, I, I wish that was my temptation. Turn these stones to bread. Got it. No problem. The devil's never tempted me to do that. Because he knows I can't do it. Why was it a temptation to Christ? Because he could do it. He's God. I know you're God. I know what you can do. But here he is. You were driven as an unsaved person. You're under the slavery and the taskmaster of Satan. And you're energized to do his will. I'm amazed at what people are able to do in sin. The pace. 
the energy. Stay in a bar till 3 in the morning and go to work at 7.30. You can't do that. Oh, yes, you can. I had a brother that could. Where'd you get that energy? I'm being energized. I'm being, how did you party all night? I'm energized by the God of this age. He could energize you to sin, energize you to do this, energize that. And then I see folks get saved and they start yawning. Why did you get so sleepy? Well, I got saved. Man, you had energy. You could boogie all night before you were a Christian. And still keep your job. And still keep going. Where was it? Satan is energizing me. He's stronger than meth. He's stronger than anything. He'll drive me to my death. I was a slave, slave-driven man or woman. And Satan was the taskmaster. Besides that, I was driven by my lust. He says here, the lust I was driven by. Notice what he says. We had the passions of our flesh, strong desires, strong, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind. We were driven by Satan and driven by our passions, and all of it was away from God. All of it was against God. This is what God saw in you and I before we knew Christ. This is no special category of sin. It's that, oh yeah, I know he was. You were. And you might have been saved young age and kept from a lot. Praise the Lord. But left untouched by the grace of God, this would have been your manner of life. You can be a nice sinner and still go to hell. What do you think drives a nice sinner? Wealth, power, prestige, cool. You see, if the devil came in this room, he wouldn't look ugly. He would look like someone you'd want to follow. Are you aware? If the devil came here today, you'd want to vote him as pastor. Let's get somebody beautiful up here. He's beautiful and he's wiser than anybody in this room. He knows more than anybody else in this room. But he's a rebel. He hates God. And he can deceive you. If it wasn't for God. Then, he says, we were children of wrath. Notice that. And we're by nature, by nature, my natural bent, I was a child of wrath, an object of divine wrath like the rest of mankind. John 3.36 says, every man outside of Christ is abiding beneath the wrath of God. You have a well-deserved judgment coming from God And if you remain there and die without Christ, you'll taste his judgment. But he gave a John 3.16 verse, I don't want you to perish. I want you to believe. I want you to come to me. But if you die without coming, without believing, you will be, see the sentence of God on the children of wrath. This is a grim diagnosis. Dead towards God. Driven by the devil, driven by my lust, and a divine object of his wrath. That is how I was born and lived until Christ came into my life. Now, let's see if God has any opportunity to show grace and mercy and love. 
Because if he decides there is no mercy for this kind of people, there's no grace for this kind of... I refuse to love these kind of people. It's all over for all of us. But God, verse 4. Watch that adversity. But God, look at it. But God. That is the... This is going to change everything. But God. Being rich in mercy. Because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And he raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ. Three things he says about this but God. This God is rich in mercy. Is that not beautiful? Jesus said in the Beatitudes, blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. I mean, to show mercy on somebody that deserves a penalty. Here he says, but God who's rich in mercy. And then he says, because I've got this great love. Let me say once again, there was never any time in eternity past where grace or mercy was ever shown. Uh, The Trinity has never been gracious to one another. They've never been merciful to one another because they always get what they deserve. Honor, glory, majesty. The Father never has shown mercy on his Son. No grace. He's treated the Son like he is. Then you come down here in the order, God creates spirit beings. Okay? They're all perfect. They're under this perfect sub-ruler called Lucifer, son of the morning. And according to Ezekiel, he uses the old King James word, he trafficked among them. What that means, he was a salesman among them. He, he sold spirit beings on an idea. And his idea was, hey guys, I've seen the throne of God, according to Isaiah 14. I like to move up above it. I like to place my headquarters above God's throne. Why don't you join me and we'll take over the throne and you can elevate me. I've been your boss for a long time. Let's do it. And one third of the spirit beings believed it as unfallen spirit beings. Okay, they rebelled. There's never any place in the Word of God, there's any mercy or grace that will ever be extended to those in that rebellion. God is not saying, Satan, if you'll repent, I'll save you. He's not saying, uh, you other lower spirit beings, repent. Uh, Jesus died for you. Jesus didn't die for angels. There's no second chance. Have you ever asked Why the two-thirds remained faithful? You know what Timothy called them? No, you don't. He chose them. Some way he preserved them beyond the normal test. He showed mercy and grace on them to keep them from falling the rebellion. In some way they were preserved. That would only be the only grace that I know of for them. But then man rebels. Man sins. Man becomes everything Romans 1 says. Vile, corrupt, driven by Satan, driven by lust, on and on and on. And God steps up and he says, you know what? Out of my great love, 
I've chosen to be merciful to those who have rebelled against me. I've decided out of my great love, I'm going to be gracious to the human family. And I am going to literally save millions who have rebelled against me. And what will you do? What will you do for them? Well, let's start out this way. Since they died, the first thing I like to do is make them alive. That'd be nice. Watch this. Verse 5. Even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive. How? Together with Christ. In the Greek, there's a little preposition there. Soon, with. You're made alive with Christ. You're raised with Christ. You're seated with Christ. He made me alive when? When I raised my hand to be saved? Are you looking at your Bible? What does it say? Even when we were... A dead man can't get out of the coffin. When did he make you alive? While you were still in your trespasses. He was working in you before you even professed faith. He had to give you the life to even walk out of the cemetery. While we were dead, even in, he said, I'm going to make you alive. Well, you can't do that, Lord. You can't do things to me that I don't know about. Yes, I can. Just like I can get your mama pregnant without you knowing about it. You're the product. You're not the creator. You don't tell God how he can save you. Boy, have you ever said, boy, I wish I'd had a different set of parents. And they said, and we wish we would have got a different child, but we're stuck with each other. I didn't know what would come out of the womb any more than you. Let's enjoy it. I was made alive. Then it goes on. Down here. Watch this. By grace, he just interrupts himself. I mean, he's going to say it in verse 8, but he just, it's like you can't be quiet. You have been saved. Well, all right, wait, Paul. You're going to say that in verse 8. Well, I just got to say it right now. And raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Now, this is a history of Christ. We kill him. We nail him to the cross. What's the first thing he needs? He needs to be made alive. He's been killed. Make me alive. Raise me up out of the grave. And when you get me in heaven, seat me, like you said, I'm seated at my Father's right hand. That's the same thing he's done for you in your spiritual history. He raised you from the death of your sin, made you alive, raised you up from the muck and the mire of our sin. And now I'm up there seated with Christ right now. That you might grow in Christ and find encouragement in the day-to-day lives that we lead as believers in Christ. It is a challenge to live in a dead and dying world, is it not? Especially knowing heaven awaits us. So it is a delight to be able to come to you on a daily basis and provide you with this encouragement from God's Word as we teach and train and, and preach the gospel of Christ for the glory of God and your good. This is Truth For Today, Pastor Phil Howard, taking us to God's Word that we might be mutually edified in grace. 
If you have questions or comments about the broadcast, maybe you would like to hear the program again. We have a couple of ways that you can reach us. The easiest, of course, is our phone number, 855-833-9864. If you would rather visit our website and work through the website, you can do so, truthfortodayradio.org. A lot of resource materials available there. Besides our podcasts, you'll also take advantage of the many other resources, books, and materials. It's all at truthfortodayradio.org. You can write to us at 1511 M. Sycamore Avenue, Suite 278, Hercules, California. 94547 is our zip code. And as we conclude our time today, we would invite you to link arms with us financially and prayerfully. These programs come to you on a daily basis, and even our extended resource materials found at our website are available as you link arms with us, partnering with us financially and prayerfully. Whether it's a one-time gift or a monthly gift, no gift is too small, no gift is too large. Please consider how you might come alongside and partner with us as we continue to minister the gospel of Christ to the greater Bay Area. We'd love to hear from you. Here's that phone number once again. 855-833-9864. That's 855-833-9864. And our website, you can securely give a donation there as well, truthfortodayradio.org. And then we would also invite you to join us for worship. If you're not involved in a fellowship near you, consider this an official invitation to join us here at Valley Bible Church in Hercules. For directions and information, you can visit our website, truthfortodayradio.org, or again, call 855-833-9864. And then, would you please mention that you were invited by the radio broadcast to one of our ushers? It would mean a great deal to us. Whether you visit us in person or simply stop by our website or listen to us here on the radio, we hope to see you next time we get together for another broadcast of Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.